Is the microphone on? Yeah, it sounds like it. Have you got a uh, song afterwards? You got something after a song afterwards? Yeah. Have you got a benediction song afterwards? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great to be here this morning. Um, I just wanted to share some of the stuff that we've actually, some of the journeys that we've been going through in our, in our life group. That's been uh, really exciting to, to journey with these guys and um, got all my support team down here today. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, but we had a really good question last year that I wanted to share with you and unpack what we found, what I found. And the question was this, what's the big deal with Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Surely God wants us to know the difference between good and evil and choose good. And I thought, you know, I've got the story figured out. I understand it. It's about a choice. And, you know, then uh, Adam makes a bad choice. Adam and Eve make a bad choice. And there's lots of consequences. And um, I sort of thought I had that fairly well understood. But it's a great question. And when questions come, they should be answered. And, and as I looked into it and unpacked it, I thought, whoa, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. This is way more nuanced. And so I want to share with you some of the stuff that we came across as a young adults group. Let's just open in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. From the beginning to the end, we can learn so much, even from some of the stories that we find very familiar. And as we look into a little bit more deeply, we can see there's an amazing depth in your word. Help us to seek you in all that we do, to love you with all our heart and soul and our mind, and love our neighbour as ourself. So Father, I pray to speak to me today and speak to everyone here. We thank you for your grace and mercy today. Amen. Uh, I would like to open with a short video. I've been a bit of a fan of the uh, Bible Project videos. Who's seen the Vital Bible Project videos? They're great. I just love the way they paint the big picture. And it's just so helpful because when you start to focus on some of the pixels, they make a lot more sense if you know what the big picture is. So I'd actually like to start with about a five-minute video clip this morning. And it's the story of the Bible. It's the big picture one. So here it is. Yeah, it's a collection of many books written over a long period of time, but altogether they tell one unified story. So, what's the story of the Bible? Well, it begins by introducing us to a beautiful mind, the author of all reality, a being called God. And he has the power to take the dark chaos of the uncreated world and bring about order and beauty and a garden full of life. And to crown this accomplishment, God appoints these creatures called humanity, or in Hebrew, Adam, and they're made as God's image. Which means that they're commissioned to rule this beautiful world on God's behalf by harnessing all of its potential and creating even more beauty and order. This is a story about humans using their power to do meaningful, life-giving work. But the question is, how? Yeah, humanity now faces a choice that's represented by a fruit tree. So humans could partner with God and find freedom by trusting in his knowledge of good and evil. Or they could seize power and define good and evil on their own, which, God warns, will kill them. And they hear the voice of a dark, mysterious creature that tells them the choice is simple. Take the fruit. It'll give you power and freedom to rule the world on your own terms. And so they seize this knowledge. And as a result, they become suspicious and self-protective. It leads to fractured relationships, violent power grabs, and ultimately, a whole civilization, Babylon, that has redefined evil as good. And so, 
God scatters this corrupted human project. And here the story of the Bible takes an important turn. We zoom in to the story of a man and a woman who come out of Babylon, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, God promises that from them will come a new people, a nation that has another chance to make the right choice. And if they succeed, it will open up this new way forward for the rest of humanity. And this is why the rest of the Bible story is about this family. And it does not go well. Despite God's personal guidance, Abraham's family gives in to that same temptation to redefine good and evil on their own terms, apart from God. Even when their best people were in charge, rulers who loved God's guidance and had divine wisdom, even they gave in. And so Israel was warned by their own prophets that these choices would lead them back to Babylon, this time as conquered captives living in exile, and that's exactly what happened. So even with God's personal guidance, Israel fails. Who can succeed? Well, the prophet said that the story wasn't over. God's going to send a new leader to Israel to cover for their failures and to transform the people's hearts and minds so that they can make the right choice. And so the part of the Bible called the Old Testament ends, and these promises are left hanging. And then the biblical story continues into the New Testament. We're introduced to a man who comes from the line of Israel's kings, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said that he was bringing all these promises to their completion. He confronted that dark, mysterious evil that all humanity has given into and resisted its power. And then he announced that God had arrived to rule the world through himself. Jesus taught about God's definition of good and evil, and he said that real power is serving others. According to Jesus, it's people who love the poor and even love their enemies. These are the kinds of people who actually rule the world. And that's confusing, but also really beautiful. And so is the claim that the story goes on to make about Jesus, that he is God become human, to be for Israel and for all humanity what we could never be for ourselves. He came to take the consequences of our evil into himself, and his sacrificial love proved more powerful than evil than even death itself. So now humanity is presented with a new choice. Represented by a new tree. Stick with the old way of being human, or venture into this new way. And in the story, those who choose the way of Jesus find themselves energized by God's own power. People who know that they are loved and forgiven by God can become people who love and forgive others in return. The Jesus movement quickly spread throughout the world, forming these new communities of people who follow the way of Jesus. But they faced problems. There was persecution from the outside by people in power, and inside there was confusion, even compromise. Yeah, because following Jesus is really hard. And so the movement's leaders, called apostles, they wrote letters to comfort and to challenge these communities to stay faithful to the difficult way of Jesus. And they're called to hope for the day when Jesus will come and change everything. And so the Bible ends by pointing to the future day, when all wrongs are made right, when evil is eradicated, heaven and earth are united, and humanity can rule the world together in the love and power of God. Okay, so that's the story of the Bible. And it brings all of these books together. But what's interesting is that each book contains a different kind of literature that contributes to the story in a unique way. And that's what the next video will begin to explore. Yeah, thanks. So it just ends, and there's, it's part of a series. And um, the one after that actually store, uh, unpacks the literary styles of the Bible. And that's actually quite important to understand because, um, yeah, I'll probably leave that there. Move on. So, 
some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff today I've actually have to say of, I've sort of gleaned from a podcast and uh, from the Bible story and it was uh, for the Bible project and it's been really helpful to sort of unpack that and, and as I've prepared for this. So I'd just like to read the account from Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 and if you've got a Bible you can turn to that. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will, certain, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of them were both opened and they realised they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and wife heard the sound of the Lord as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman, put, the woman you put here with me she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord's God said to the woman, What is it you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. It's interesting, you can see the blame game coming in there straight away, isn't it? <laughs> Don't we love the blame game? We're all victims of other people's um, things in our life. But anyway, I want to unpack three ideas from today's that, from that reading. Where do we get our wisdom from? Do shortcuts really help? And the question God put to Adam and Eve after they ate the fruit, where are you? Before we unpack this, we need to understand a little bit more of background. The answer to the question that was asked earlier, what's the big deal with Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is way more nuanced than I thought it was. So, and I think the question it really asks is where do you get your wisdom from? We think it's about picking an apple. Well, we don't know whether it was an apple or not, but let's just say it was an apple for, the, for this conversation. We think it's just about picking a bit of fruit, disobedience, but there's much more to it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God told Adam and Eve that they were not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or they would die. And I'd always thought, well, you know, yeah, they eat it, but it's not literal death. I mean, it's not literal immediate death. They certainly died eventually. Um, maybe it's spiritual death, and, and literal death came later on. But maybe, maybe we need to just delve into those two, this a bit more deeply. So what do these two simple words mean, good and evil? The two original words in Hebrew are words called tov and ra, which are often translated, in the, like this passage, good and evil. But that's not the only way they're translated. The word, in evil, the word evil in English is much really associated with really quite well, evil things, you know, murder, rape, violent theft, genocide, that sort of stuff. And if a person conducts that, we'd say that is an evil person. But the word ra 
actually doesn't, it includes that, but it actually brings them way back much more simpler things, like something's just bad. I mean, that was a rotten apple. That's a raw apple, <laughs> bad apple. So if you look at other places in the Hebrew scriptures, that phrase, knowledge of good and evil, or tov and ra, you'll notice the phrase is also a way of talking about good and bad, but also about maturity and immaturity, about growing. Jeremiah 24, 1-2 uses these two words when describing figs. The Lord showed me two baskets of figs placed in front of the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs. The other like those ones who ripen early. The other basket had very bad figs, so bad they could not be eaten. So some figs were so raw that you couldn't eat them. But those figs weren't evil. They were just bad. They had a bad burger. That was a raw burger. <laughs> so even thinking about the fruit, how do we gain wisdom as human beings? You know, have an apple tree. A child goes out to the apple tree and says, oh, there's fruit on the tree. Goes and grabs it in November or December. Is that fruit going to be any good to eat? No. <laughs> Johan will tell me that. <laughs> it's going to be bitter. I'd say it would be raw. But if it's, you go out to the right time and it's ripe, and somebody who knows when it's ripe, they will tell you that's good to eat, and that fruit will be good. It'll be tove. But if you leave it too long and it falls on the ground, it becomes rotten, Fruit becomes raw, bad. So how do you get that wisdom? Well, there's two ways. You can try it for yourself, or you can get somebody to teach you who knows what they're talking about. Okay, so there's your tov and ra, and so good and bad. You actually need to gain wisdom through experimenting or learning from others. We don't live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves, so it's a really good idea to learn from others, to gain wisdom from other people's mistakes. First Kings... Uh, Chapter 3, Solomon says, I am but a little child. I do not know how to rule these people or how to discern between good and bad, tov and ra. So that's why he asked God for wisdom. He actually just wanted to know wisdom from God. And that was very, really very much the right decision, right question that he, he was asking. And God rewarded him. So in this particular case with Solomon, we're seeing knowing the difference between tov and ra is actually about maturity, being wise. And it also appears in other places in the, in the scripture as well, uh, along those lines. So the thing we need to realise is that Adam and Eve were probably only a few days, weeks or months old. We were sort of unpacking this a little bit, and I think probably months is where we came to, because they had a job to name all the animals. That's not a five-minute job. So they were probably around for a while, and when they were naming the animals, that would indicate they'd been in the garden for some time. But they were starting to gain knowledge. They were starting to know the good, difference between good and bad. How did they get to know that? Well, I'll come back to that point, sorry. So Adam and Eve were only a few weeks old at this point, and they were depicted as children in adults' body, and that's actually quite an important point to realise. Because God had placed them in the, on earth to rule over it and to look after the garden and tend it and make it a much more beautiful place. But to do that, you actually must be wise. You couldn't imagine that a two-year-old ruling the world. No, it doesn't happen. Everybody laughs, sure, absolutely. Because the two-year-old doesn't have the wisdom and the knowledge to rule. And so Adam and Eve were like that. They were placed on the earth to rule. 
So this swings back to the question, as adults, Adam and Eve, as adults who are morally and intellectually like infants, where are they going to get the wisdom and knowledge from? And since God made the earth, he also knows what is pleasant and beneficial. He knows what is tov and ra, right and wrong. So, as, so God's desire, I believe, God's desire was to walk with him every day. He said he came out to walk in the garden in the cool of the day to walk with Adam and Eve, to teach them tov and ra. God's desire was to walk with them and teach these things himself on a daily basis. And as parents, isn't that what we want? We, as our children grow up, we walk with our children and we teach them the difference between tov and ra, good and bad, things that are going to hurt them and things that are going to help them. And as they grow up, they grow up to be mature adults and that's a real joy. But it's also distressing when people, our children choose make choices that aren't good and that grieves us as parents. So the tree represents a choice. Will they live with God and learn from him and let God teach them? Or will they listen to another, a stranger, and try and grasp the knowledge of good and evil for themselves in a shortcut? Will they learn that gradually on a day-by-day basis living with God? So the, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil or good and bad represents two options or modes of how you experience Tov and Ra and gain your wisdom. So all of a sudden that starts to sound a little bit more closer to home for us today. And that question reigns today, where do I get my wisdom from? Where do, I get, where do you get your wisdom from? Will we listen to God, what he says in his word, following Jesus, walking in the ways that he's given us to walk in, taking time to seek him first, what is in his word, and or will we do things what's right in our own eyes? So all of a sudden, this story that I was thought I was very familiar with and I understood is something that happened in the past actually has a lot of relevance for me today because every day I need to learn wisdom from God, not from what's around me or what's right in my own eyes. And so it sort of does lead to a question, do shortcuts really help? So obviously they thought that if they took the fruit for themselves, they could get the shortcut to the knowledge of good and ease. They could get the shortcut to wisdom because the wisdom that they chose wasn't God's wisdom. When we read, out from the, read about the fallout of Adam and Eve's decision to uh, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, um, it was really severe. It was actually about turning your back on God and saying, well, I'm going to do things my way. I'm not going to listen to your wisdom. I know that you created everything, but I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do things my way. And then the consequences. They decided to seize power and define good and evil on their own terms. Then the eyes of them both were open, and they realised they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and the woman heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, come out to talk with him to impart today's wisdom, every day a little bit smarter, every day a little bit wiser. And they hid from God amongst the trees of the garden. And as a result, they didn't become more like God. There was actually separation. The two that lived as one, once living in perfect unity with each other, in perfect harmony with God, became suspicious and self-protective.